0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast with your host, Stephen Black. And joining us on the show today is Jean Harrison, here to share, uh, share her experience, some of her wisdom, and talk about her book with us. So, Jean, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, I'm glad to have you. Um, Jean, uh, because this is a TCK podcast, I have to ask you the, uh, the classic TCK question, where are you from?
1: <laughs> Mine's is extra interesting, actually, because I am ethnically mixed. So um, I am—it's very <laughs> long question, but I am half Chinese. My mom's from Singapore. I'm half um, American. My dad's from Florida. They okay. met and married as missionaries and served in the Philippines. So I was born and raised in the Philippines until I was 15 years old. So, can you tell I've answered that before? I have a whole way of answering.
0: That was very fluid and seamless. I like it. So, how long have you been how long have you been in Florida now?
1: I have been here just this last year. I did live in Florida some as a teenager, but my husband and I are in Florida now cuz he's a pastor at a local church.
0: Okay, gotcha. And mm-hmm. um uh have you lived in other places in the US as well?
1: Mostly Florida and South Carolina, and then we spent some time in Louisville, Kentucky, for my husband to go to seminary.
0: Okay, yeah, gotcha. I've been to Louisville. Uh, that's a cool place. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, when, you were, when you were in the Philippines, did you go to Faith Academy?
1: I did. I went there from kindergarten through ninth grade.
0: Okay, very cool. Shout out to all my Filipino friends.
1: <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It's an amazing school.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um so Jean uh we we're here to talk about uh talk a little bit about your book um Hiding in the Hallway can you tell me a little bit about about your book
1: Yeah absolutely um so the title Hiding in the Hallway is basically an analogy from when I was a little girl and my brother and sister and I would hide in the hallway to spy on our parents doing ministry in the living room mm-hmm. so um And and really, I've used the analogy to kind of be a picture of MK life in general, that there's this constant sense of being on the outside, looking in, whether it's that for ministry, you know, viewing ministry like a spectator. It's mom and dad's job, and I just kind of watch and observe. Mm. I'm not really called to it myself. Yeah. And then also, especially when you're in your um, home country, your passport country, and you feel even more like you're on the outside looking in because you may look like you fit in, but you don't, you know, you miss all the pop culture knowledge and social cues and all of that. Mm. So really the book is, that's just an explanation of the title, but it's about um, how to view all of MK life in light of the gospel, which sounds very simple, I guess. But growing up, you know, I went to a lot of conferences. My parents were with Campus Crusade, which is called Crew now. Yeah. And so, Yeah, so we would do these um, conferences biannually, and there were lots of workshops for missionary kids, and they were great. But for some reason, I never really understood this big picture perspective of how the gospel relates to all of the suffering and the opportunities I had as an MK. I more remember, I guess, the external things, you know, the talks on how to say goodbye well and how to assimilate and how to fit into different cultures, things like that. Mm -hmm. But when I transitioned off the mission field at 15, I had so much resentment and um, so much confusion. I didn't know what to do with this deep, deep anger towards God and my parents. And I, I knew how to make friends, like, you know, by the book, I knew how to say goodbye well and what to do to try to you know, fit in and what clothes to wear. But for the heart, I was just drowning. I didn't know how to get over the anger. Um, mm. And so years later, it's crazy. I mean, I'm 34, and there's still times when I will dream about my life as an MK. And I just think it's so crazy that how deeply rooted all of that is. But finally one day um, I was in a Bible study actually about the book Radical by David Platt. And he challenged us to consider how we might use our gifts and our passions and our story to change the world, mm-hmm. which is a very tall order. I was <laughs> like, well, I'm a housewife, you know, with four little girls at home. How on earth can I impact the world? And But I got on my knees and I asked Jesus, I'll, I'll give you whatever, you know, t- you show me. How can I use you know, leverage my story and my talents. And um, he just put this burden on my heart to write a gospel-centered book for missionary kids wow. because I, I enjoy writing. I've written one other book before, and it was so clear, this kind of vision of what I wanted the book to be and um, what I think he wanted me to write. So that's kind of where it all started.
0: Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, when you're talking about the title Hiding in the Hallway and just feeling like you're on the outside of ministry, I feel like that's a tricky balance to maintain for a lot of, uh, especially missionary families. I know when I can speak personally, uh, when I was growing up, uh, me and my siblings were very involved in my parents' ministry, and I loved it, frankly. I loved, you know, going out and serving with them and doing our thing, and I had my own, you know, my own unique way to um, be a part of uh, what was going on there, playing with street kids, that kind of thing. But I love being a part of their ministry. Um, but mm-hmm. then on the other hand, you know, um, there are also times where, yeah, I guess, I guess there, there are times when kids just aren't really ready to be a part of the ministry and um, may feel an obligation to be, you know, a quote-unquote team player and um, to pitch in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can really be unhealthy for them um, if that's not something that they're uh, personally invested in or ready for. And so I feel like there's a tricky balance of, like, you know, how much do you bring your kids into the ministry versus how much do you let them just be kids and uh, let them be outside of the ministry, you know?
1: Right. And I think it's even just um, with, again, showing them the gospel perspective and worldview and understanding of it, because I think some of it is, I did not like seeing um it gets messy you know there were I still remember the first time I heard like wow people are critical of my dad's leadership or you kind of see mm-hmm. the underbelly of ministry went similar to pastors kids mm-hmm. and I think when I think of friends of mine now who don't walk with God who grew up as TCKs I wonder sometimes if some of it was seeing that Underbelly of ministry and not necessarily being shepherded through it. Where your mom and dad, you know that they smile and they're nice to everybody, but behind closed doors they're stressed. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. angry because ministry is real people, broken people trying to help broken people. You know, and the leaders are broken and everybody. (laughs) And I think having parents who can kind of talk you through, you know, and I talk about some in the book. But hey, I'm sorry that I said that
0: Mm. about.
1: I'm sorry you heard that. That's not right, but I did it because I need Jesus too, you know. Mm-hmm. And, just, and just walking with us through some of the dark side of ministry, I think that's one thing that would be helpful, you know. And not necessarily that your kids even have to do it alongside you, but so that they're growing up with a healthy understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, vul- vulnerability and transparency are definitely big players in, um, uh, raising mm-hmm. healthy kids, I'm sure in any context, but how much more so when you're under a lot of, uh, pressure and you're in the spotlight for being, uh, being a minister or missionary, that kind of thing. So I hear mm-hmm.
1: you. I think too, when I was, um, in the U S like on furlough is one time that, and especially more so than furlough, but when we really transitioned off the mission, well, my parents stayed with campus crusade, they stayed with crew, but they've moved to a stateside, division when I was 15 because my older sister was going to college and they wanted to be stateside with her. So I was uprooted at 15 and brought back to the States. And I just remember too, that would have been the time at 15 strong, you know, I had walked with Jesus for a while where I would have thought I would have been evangelistic and been kind of living out some of this faith, what my parents had done. Mm. But the truth is, I was so wounded and so struggling that I think I just developed this deep disdain for Americans, kind of like, and I would have never said it. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, I think we don't often talk about how TCKs and MKs have this sort of cross-cultural pride. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes out of woundedness too because we're so used to always being on the outside that it's easier to view people who leave us out with contempt than it is to view them with compassion. And -hmm. I know for me, I just thought, man, Americans—they waste so much. They buy so much. They're materialistic. They—they're ignorant of culture, and I just built up all these thoughts because it made me feel less bad about the fact that I didn't fit in with Americans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and hear so you. all this opportunity in high school—I was had so many friends. I still remember the moment that um, I kind of woke up to all this, and it was at Bill Bright's funeral. He—he's the president, the founding president of crew, Campus Crusade. and he, um, When he died, I was at his memorial, and his life was so impacting to me, his heart for the lost. I remember going outside, I think I was a senior in high school, and getting on the grass and just crying and crying and repenting because I started thinking of all the classmates in all of my classrooms whose homes were so broken mm. and whose stories were so broken, and all I had really done was look down my nose at them mm. in my heart mm-hmm. rather than I don't know, see see the potential. But in order for MKs to get there and, you know, actually be on mission, I think, as they grow into teenagers, we have to first deal with the woundedness that makes them not want to be on mission. We have to first show them how Jesus meets them in their own sorrow and how the gospel speaks to their own circumstances so then they can be compelled. You know, the love of Jesus is what compels us to share the gospel.
0: Right. That's so good. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate and respect the fact that you said that. You know, the first step is um, working with working with MKs and TCKs to address the um, the grief, the sorrow, the loss, the hurt in their own experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I th- is it First Corinthians that says we comfort with the comfort that we've received? Wow. And so, yeah. And if you're listening to this episode, and this is your first uh, first TCK Care the podcast episode you're listening to, you should definitely check out positive repatriation with Mary Larson, she talks a little bit about, she talks about fostering a love for your passport culture and uh, passport country that can really be beneficial and um, helping alleviate some of that feeling of, uh, of just, man, I hate it here. And these people are ridiculous and stuff like that. And so that's, yeah, definitely check that out as well. Um, But Gene, I just wanted to, just wanted to say, I was looking over your book a little bit and you talk about, in chapter 2, the title is, How the Gospel Changes Everything. Mm-hmm. What uh, What does that mean, that the gospel changes everything? What does it mean for a TCK?
1: Well, that's, a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I, one of the biggest things it did for me was, um, the very first way that the gospel changed everything, for me personally, was to see Jesus as a, a TCK of sorts, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think To when I really realized that he truly, truly feels it and gets it, because that's the thing with being a TCK is so few people understand it, you know, and honestly, as I wrestled through all this, when you're in the States, nobody cares about the remote places you've been and what they eat and what you, and your whole life, you know, they care about pop culture and interesting things. And so you feel so unseen. But when I really recognize that Jesus understands utter and complete rootlessness. He has no place on the planet to lay his head, to call his home mm-hmm. and that he feels that with me. And also not just that he understands me now, but the gospel says that if I'm in him, then one day there's the hope of eternity, that this is just a little blip. And so I think realizing there will come a day when I'm finally totally home, and I I will identify with that sense, that longing for home in heaven, which m- may never, ever be fully felt on earth as the TCK. You know, that was one of the first big ways the gospel helped me. was seeing Jesus as my advocate and my uh, someone who empathized with me, but then also seeing eternity as my hope. Mm.
0: Um, but
1: then again the gospel too showing me that the the other thing that helped me a lot was realizing that this uh, God's plan was for me also he is too, way too sovereign for me to just be an afterthought to my mom and dad's ministry. you know I think I viewed it yeah. like I was this stage prop in the play of their life, God says come and I'm dragged along and He says go and I'm dragged along and mm. realizing that He is so sovereign that 100% apart from my parents, this is what He wanted for me to. He wanted me to come back to the States at 15 even though I would hate Him the whole way because He loved me so much. He was going to fulfill His good will for me no matter how much I fought it. And wow. I think when I began to see it as his love for me and that he has a plan for me and a sovereign will for me, I began to understand the calling as something beautiful and not something to resent. And I know I'm saying a lot of the negative, but the truth is I I loved growing up at a TCK. In fact, I probably loved it so much. That's why for me the harder part was leaving you know, that life and coming back to the States yeah, than it was being there.
0: Right. Yep.
1: I don't regret it one bit, but – Um, Those are just some of the ways the gospel kind of changed everything for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. To come to a place of resenting, you know, resenting your circumstances and hating being where you are to just accepting that number one, God is sovereign, that he's in control, but also at the same time that he's loving and that he cared uh, personally about you and was involved in, you know, telling your story, not as, uh, I just love the analogy you gave of being a prop and the play of your parents' lives, not like that, but actually you being, you know, center stage for your own story, so to speak. Right. Um, that's good. I, how Can I ask, how long did it take you to um, let go of that, um, that resentment? I guess you had spoken about um, the funeral that you had attended. Was that kind of your turning point?
1: it was a lot of little things, but that was a big turning point. And also that day that I really, I remember sitting outdoors reading my Bible one morning and realizing that it cost Jesus. It's almost like I felt, I didn't hear God, but it's like, I felt like he was saying it hurt me too. Like it hurt Mm. me so much to get you out of that country and put you here that he, he got it and he felt it, but he did it for my own good because he loved me so much. He was Mm. willing to do something that I would hate him for. And it changed a lot for me then, but I would say th- it took from sophomore year to the time I was graduating, senior year, uh, two full years to kind of process through it. And during that time, I absolutely still read the Bible. I don't believe I believe I was saved as a child. It's like I walked with mm-hmm. Jesus. And it's so weird, but I but I had this love hate with him. And I think even some of that was probably the true intimacy of actually belonging to him. Is that during the day I went to this big two thousand member high school. And I just, I felt like it was lost. I didn't understand the slang. I didn't understand. I Once I remember the girls were all talking about Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to join in. And I said, oh, is he? Because they said, you know, he's so hot. He's so great. And I was like, is he a upperclassman? What grade is he in? <laughs> <laughs> and um, they all just died laughing. And nobody told me why it was such a stupid thing to say. And, I, oh, and, no. you know, I Early on, just shut up and just watch and don't talk because you'll embarrass yourself. But it was like everything, I just it was so hard to fit in. And I remember even walking down the hallways when they were crowded. I if if I didn't walk in the right side of the like line, I guess being pushed count you know against the current. And I would imagine sometimes that Jesus held my hand Hmm. because I felt so alone. So it's like I relied on him and I needed him, but then at night. When I cried into my pillow, I hated him, and I was so mad at him. But, yeah. I, but I just kind of walked that for two years. By the time I graduated high school and went to college, I truly felt like I, I understood and loved American culture to where if I had been given a choice, I would not have gone back anymore. Mm. So um, sometime in college, and I chose to go to a small Bible college, which for me helped a lot because it was a little bit more, I guess – you know, more natural of environment compared to what I grew up with than a huge public environment. So for me, that helped a lot because I, I met other MKs there and I just met kids that were more similar to me. So as I moved through college, I came to really love the U S definitely a journey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. So much of what you're saying, um, really resonates with me and you know, that I, you know, I I too struggled coming back from uh coming back from overseas and um I was just uh speaking with uh uh with Paul Paul Dyke from uh with the More network up in Canada and he said that, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of conversations with TCKs, you ask what was the hardest transition and they will all say coming back, you know. Yeah. Just because it is such a huge, huge um not only cultural change but um identity change and um there's an emotion so so many emotional components that go into that such a such a it can be such a formative thing yes yeah
1: i think too that the time you because my brother had a much to me easier transition i think that that plays a role he came back to the states in middle school and um I think going, the way our school zones work a lot of times is, you know, the middle school funnels into the high school. And he went into high school with more of a social friend base and all that. Mm -hmm. And he seemed to fit in a lot easier than I did in general. I don't know. I think there is something to probably the time that you leave to just Mm. developmentally.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like you did at 15, you know, freshman year, that's not that's not the best time in the world to enter into a social circle and try to make friends and fit in
1: right, and honestly, I've thought about what what would it have been like with social media because I didn't have it then, mm-hmm. and I think it would have been like a blessing and a curse. I think it would have been harder mm-hmm. um I would imagine it's harder today because everything my friends did I could have watched and seen, you know, and yeah. I would have just it would have been so painful to watch them go on living without me, yeah, it was kind. Right. Of, wonderful to it was really awful because it was like once I left 7,000 miles there was no going back Mm -hmm. and I there was no way to really connect because there was no social media I emailed some of them now and then but it's not the same and so I think in the long run it was helpful probably but it was a you know shock to the system I think I think social media has got to make it really tricky now
0: yeah I hear you yeah yeah um, and that kind of segues into my next question. Um, chapter five, understanding four common MK struggles. Um, can you just break those down for me? Is um, is social media one of those struggles?
1: You know, I didn't put social I did talk about social media in um, my dating chapter for MKs with okay. like, the online escape and just the danger there in general. But when I talk about the ways they struggle, I talked about feeling rootless Mm -hmm. about sacrificing physical comforts, which that obviously depends on, on where your parents serve somewhat too, but living in a fishbowl, which is kind of the, the all ministry kid syndrome of being on display all the time, leaving loved ones. And then I kept, uh, the dark side of ministry for its own chapter. But I would think that would be like a fifth, very common MK struggle.
0: Right. I got to ask you, you know, since you've experienced, uh, since you've experienced those in your own story and, you know, you had such a, such a hard time, uh, coming back to America and really coming to that place of, um, loving and accepting your own, uh, your own circumstances. Um, Would you would you change it? Would you trade it for something else?
1: That's a great question. Um, Now, I would say no, I would not. But I, I would say it took me years to get there where I would have never traded the whole TCK experience. But there was a time when I just wrestled so much with my parents decision to come back. Because we did have a dorm system at Faith Academy, and Mm -hmm. I asked a lot about why didn't you let me board, which is a whole other – I have very mixed feelings about that. But at the time, I thought I would have done better to stay alone in the Philippines and finish out high school than to come back. And even now, though, 100 percent, that would have not been – I see God's wisdom and his providence in bringing me back when he did and the way he's grown me and shaped me. It's like I just would not be who I am today. And I look at the ministry my husband and I have. He's very American, born and raised in the U.S. And just all the things God did between us, I wouldn't wouldn't change a single thing. But it took me a long time to be able to say that. And I certainly wouldn't change growing up at TCK. To be honest, it's one of the things I wrestle with as a mom with my own kids. It kind of breaks my heart to think that they will not have that experience because we're, you know, not missionaries. So that's, I think it's a wonderful, beautiful, enriching experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, uh, my wife and I had the exact same conversation that, you know, are we are we, are we we hurting our kids? Are we putting them at a disadvantage for not raising them overseas, you know? And yeah. she was like, come on, you know, if you trust that, you know, God was in control to have us overseas, you got to trust that God is in control yeah. of having them growing up here and that they're still going to have a good and healthy mm-hmm. life. And honestly, they're going to have experiences and advantages that we didn't have growing up overseas. And so... You know, you you can't tell yourself that as much as I want to believe that the MK experience is is the better experience, I can't really believe that. I I have to understand that I have to accept for my kids and my my own sake that it's just a different experience and it's going to have different advantages and disadvantages. And uh, just accept that they're going to be good people and God's going to love them and I'm going to love them and hopefully they're going to have a great life regardless.
1: Yes, I feel that one with you. I really
0: (laughs) do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. And then Jean, as we're kind of uh, coming winding down on time, I just wanted to ask if you have any you know final thoughts or especially any words of advice for TCKs out there um, or perhaps TCK care people, whether that be parents or um, TCK care personnel. do um, you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for them?
1: I do. Um, I think one of the most undervalued things in TCK ministry, perhaps and I'm not I'm not a TCK caregiver myself so I'm say this with complete humility that I've never walked those shoes but I'll say it this way something that really blessed me that my parents did was um, just empathize I think it seems like meh what's the big deal with that we kinda undervalue the power of empathy but I know as a parent now nobody likes to watch your children suffer and the tendency, I think we think if we really go there with them and feel the depth of what they're feeling, we're going to magnify it. So it's much more tempting to be like, you know what, honey, I'm sorry. You'll make new friends. It's going to be okay. God's got a plan. You know, stiff upper lip. Come on. This is what he's called us to. we got to keep whatever. You just, It's sort of dismissive because we think if we minimize it, it will not hurt so much. And it was like the exact opposite for me. I was a broken record until the day my parents, especially my mom, felt it with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to fix it. I wanted her to get that this calling has cost me so much. Your vocation has cost me, in my mind, my life. It Mm -hmm. cost me all my friends, my culture, everything I know, like swirled and fell through the bathtub drain and all disappeared in the blink of an eye because of your job. And until my mom sat with that and felt it and grieved it and was just sorry and there's nothing she could do but she just felt it and I saw in her, man, she is broken hearted because she gets this and there is no quick fix for it. Grief takes time and I think when she quit trying to fix it and just abided with me in it and realized this is awful, I was able to take my first step past it it doesn't make us magnify it when you sit in it with us. It, it It's like once we know you get it, we can take the first step to getting over it. But we mm. can't get over it until we know you really get it on an emotional level. Like you feel it. Mm. And I think um, even for caregivers, just that so much of empathy is listening and feeling without any advice or wisdom. It's like um, – the MK, I think a lot of TCKs just want to be heard and seen because when you transition off the field, again, nobody really cares about the remote tribe in Botswana where you know everything about the food and the people. And the, and just to listen and feel with them what's been lost, for me, it was, did wonders in helping me take a step forward and move past that I couldn't let go till I felt like it was seen. And and I would say the same thing to TCKs if you are listening to this that man I get you. I I feel it. I cried for years over it and it's okay to grieve for a long time. You you there will be there will be an end to it one day and there will come a day when you see that God does not waste any of it. He doesn't ever waste a moment of our suffering, I think about, you know, the hardest thing I walked through produced one of the greatest accomplishments of my life, this book, and isn't that the gospel too? Like the mm. hardest thing the whole world ever went through, the loss of Jesus, the greatest catastrophe ever, became the greatest salvation ever. God, that's his specialty, is taking the really awful stuff and using it for the very best stuff. So don't, don't lose heart. It's okay to grieve for a long time. God will bring something beautiful out of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that grief takes time. I really appreciate that. And I so respect that you're talking about the importance of empathy. And, you know, I don't know if this is just a guy thing or what, but I always want to fix the problem. And, you know, I know I I know I'm not supposed to fix the problem especially without empathy. That's so so important. You know, it, even if there are even if there are some, you know, things that like advice or whatever that you can give that's completely out of place without empathy if empathy doesn't come first so that's so important yeah definitely
1: and you do need the advice down the road it's just I wouldn't lead with that oh absolutely
0: yeah definitely I hear you I hear you lead with empathy always start by listening
1: can I make one quick little plug for my book yeah Um,
0: absolutely go for it
1: if there's a TCK caregiver or ministry uh, head who is ever interested in ordering in bulk, I just wanted to let you know that the publisher, Publishers.com, if you order directly through them, they offer a ministry discount for bulk orders. So some uh, you know, MK heads have taken them up on that, and I think it's a pretty significant discount depending on the size of the order. So just a little plug, if you are working with TCKs and interested at all, you could visit that website, newhopepublishers.com.
0: Okay. Newhopepublishers.com. Got it. I might check that out myself. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you again, Jean, for just taking the time to share a little bit about your, you know, your story and just uh, leveling with us and, um, for, you know, sharing about some of the content of your book. I think this is really helpful and I hope that, you know, there are TCKs and TCK care workers who are going to really take this to heart. Um, and really, really, really get the, the importance of empathy and the importance of, um, just storytelling, and um, who are going to really, um, who are going to really think, think seriously about making the MK experience a gospel-centered experience that's rooted in God's love and results in results in the good of the world. You know.
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You've been listening to TCK Care the Podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care the Podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.